Well, here at 1819 News, we don't shy away from the things that you're not supposed to say, but I think we're going to reach peak, hey, you can't say that, today. I'm bringing on John Young of Men United Against Violence in Mobile, and he rose to fame um, after speaking very boldly after a shooting, a black-on-black violent shooting where a 14-year-old girl named Sierra was killed in the streets of Mobile. And he came on uh, in his capacity uh, as a law enforcement officer and spoke boldly about the issue and put his finger on the pulse of the issue that, that you know what, um, black-on-black crime is, is a problem and, and, the, and the homicide rates and vi- rates of violence and all these other things, it's disproportionate in the black community. What can we do about it? Well, John Young is going to come on and tell us what needs to be done about it. And man, it is fire. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. I've got a great episode today. I've got uh, a guy that I've uh, become friends with uh, in down in Mobile who's got an amazing ministry, um, and his ministry is really rooted in his courage and his voice and the bold clarity that he brings when he speaks into a topic that most people would never even touch with a 10-foot pole, but he steps headlong into it. He's had enough of violence uh, and, and the things that he's seen uh, in law enforcement, and he wanted to do something about it. So he started Men United Against Violence, uh, and that is Mr. John Young that we'll be bringing on to talk to you guys. His message is amazing. I saw a video of him uh, when he was speaking in Mobile, and it just lit my hair on fire, blew my hair back, uh, and a good friend of mine, Richard Stimson, introduced me to him, and I got to hear him and the city attorney uh, in Mobile speak at an event one time, and I was just blown away and blessed uh, by their message uh, and by the work that they're doing. So we're going to bring him on to talk about that, but before we do, just want to jump into, uh, as always, and I don't say this just to be a, uh, a resounding gong or an echo of myself saying this over and over, guys. You hear me come in and say, look, Alabama needs 1819 News. 1819 News needs you. We need you guys to join the fight. You see on the website where you can become a member. Go there, click that button, and join. It's $5 a month. Uh, to support the independent journalism that we're doing. We're informing the people of Alabama about what's going on and why it matters. We're investigating corruption, and Alabama is one of the most politically corrupt states in the nation, so it's a target-rich environment. But we're also celebrating the things that are good, true, and beautiful about our state that are often overlooked by all the other media outlets in the state because they want everyone to think that Alabama is just a backwards, racist, horrible place that you don't want to live. But we're telling the good stories, and I think that's what we're going to get a chance to do today um, with JY or John Young, uh, when we bring him on here shortly, but please do go, um, go to 1819news.com, click the button, become a member membership, start as little as $5 a month. You get access to behind the scenes content, like what we're going to be producing one for you today, a behind the scenes podcast, uh, as well as getting merch subscription to magazines and all these other things. Um, go there, support the work we're doing, uh, and do that today. All right, without further ado, let's get to the meat of the content. And so I want to welcome in uh, John Young. John, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Awesome. Well, um, as I kind of alluded to, um, I got to know you. Richard Stimson is a mutual friend of ours. 
down in Mobile, and uh, he said, you got to meet this guy. And so we went to an event that you were putting on, um, and I got to hear your message. And I, and I, and I saw the, the viral YouTube clip of you talking um, and just hearing um, the boldness of, of what you had to say, your fingers directly on the pulse of the problem. But everyone, a lot of people see the problem, but no one has the courage to say what the problem really is. Uh, and you don't seem to struggle with that. And so today I want to talk to you about what what is the problem with inner city violence? Where is this coming from? What can we actually do about it? We see it's rampant. We we see all these things. You know, why why do we need to blame Glock switches and automatic weapons? And if only we had more, you know, gun laws and all this other stuff. Well, we see all these other cities across the nation that have gun laws and it's still happening there. So I want to talk about what the problem is and then and what you think. Um, is the solution. But before we do that, why don't you just talk a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your life, what 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 brought you into this this line of ministry? Well, I always say that I'm no one very important. Um, I'm just a man like everyone else. I love my family. Uh, God, I love my city. And what started all this uh, was I was born in 1971, and I was born to a a working class father who integrated Scott Paper Company here in Mobile. And uh, my parents were married 25 years before they divorced. But all I ever saw was my father go to work and provide for his family. And when my mother abandoned us, uh, when I was 13 or 14 years old, after two years after their divorce, my father returned home and provided for us again and raised me and taught me uh, how to be a man and not just any man, but a, a God fearing, holy man. Mm. So, um, when you say, uh, and that's it, that's really all there is to me. I fell down and came to, to God four years ago and asked him, what do you want me to do? Because he was really, uh, convicting my spirit. And this in uh, my conviction was to go tell the truth. And that's where I, what I do now. Amen. Um, a, a year ago, when I was on duty, I did an interview that you 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 sort of uh, pointed to earlier, where we'd had back to back homicides. One was a an 11 year old boy named LaQuinta Morissette, and then a uh, 13 or 14 year old girl named Sierra Jackson, who was who were murdered, shot, and killed by black men uh, in Mobile. And Sierra was actually killed on Michael Donald Avenue, the street named after the last known lynching victim in the United States. And she was shot and killed. Uh, the police department made two arrests uh, of young black male suspects. And in that interview, I said, Sergeant John Carlos Young, I'm making this statement that there's a subculture of gun violence involving young black men. And we've not addressed it. We've not pointed to that and asked why are young black men so violent to everyone, but against each other and women. Um, the boldness I spoke with was the same thing everyone thinks i only said it out loud yeah and i stand by that here in mobile 80 percent of our violent crime is committed by young black men between the age of 15 and 35 and most of their victims are young black men in that same demographic but they have now included uh, black women just two days ago a, a 30 year old 32 year old black male murdered murdered his 32 year old ex-girlfriend and then killed himself so while white people also commit homicides in Mobile, they are not doing it at the disproportionate rate relative to population that young black men are. Yeah. So the question is why? Why is that? And the easy part is sin. We know that. Uh, yeah. But 
the failure of the home is why the sin is prevailing. The Satan did, he did the best job when he lied and told Eve, you will become a God. But the sin did not occur until Adam bit the fruit. Mm. Without men in the homes leading families, we will have more out-of-birth wedlocks. We will have more robberies. We will have more homicides. And since 80% of Black children are born premarital or outside of wedlock, that's why we see the disproportionate rates of violence, dropout rates, abuse rates. Black women are four times more likely to be victims of domestic violence at the hands of a Black man than a white woman at the hands of a Black man. 50% of Black kids are dropping out of high school. Um, the income get wage gap for young Black men and young white men is because of uh, the poor performance in education. There's not a single school in Mobile County public school system, a predominantly black school that's testing at grade level. In fact, they're all tested in single digits at grade level in math, science, and language arts. Mm. That goes back to the home. That's the family. I'm sorry to go on this long diatribe, but you know, uh, Brother Dawson, that how much I care about it. You know how much. That's why you're here. Tell them. And that's why I'm here. And I'm here to say that um, I now give white Alabamians, you are relieved of any responsibility of racism if you join and stand up and say, black men stop killing each other. Mm. As a believer, as a Christian, as a man, you must speak truth and you must do it fearlessly or the devil wins. So I, I tell everyone, and I'll say this to anybody, Brother Dawson, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go to the, any meeting involving any <laughs> color, skin, tone, and or, or whatever, and say the same thing. Because while they may rail against me and call me names, they will not call me a liar. Yeah. Uh, no one has yet to refute the facts I've stated. Wow. Uh, and that's the most important thing. Man. And I can just tell you having this conversation as a, as a white guy um, <clears throat> with, a, you know, a, a pretty large proportion, you know, uh, of my audience being white. Even, you know, with what you just said that, you know, I'm giving you permission, you know, Mr. Dawson to say, hey there's a disproportionate amount of, of killing going on by young black males. It, it, and again, it's like you said, everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. everyone thinks it, but it, they're scared to death to say it. And again, I'm scared to say like, there's very few things I am scared to say, but even I know to kind of avoid that one. If like, Oh, I don't know. I want to keep my job and my company. Right. But if we well, can't this, talk this about it, we can't culture. solve it. Well, right. Um, this cancel culture, and it seems that this is the only topic we will not talk about when it concerns young black men committing violent crimes. Yeah. Um, the homosexual agenda is protected. Uh, migrant rights are protected. Vagrants' rights are protected. Those are things you can't say the R A R E T A R D word anymore, but you can say the N word. Yeah. Black men can denigrate themselves. Black women can present themselves as whores, and it's and it's passed off as black culture. Well, I'm here to tell all of your listeners and viewers and participants in 1819 News, you know that isn't true. They know that wasn't always the fact. You went to school with black kids that did not behave this way. You went to school with black kids that weren't hoochies or thugs or committing crimes. So where did this all start? Well, it started with the breakdown of the family. Yeah. And we can say as as, as men, whether you're a Christian or not, but especially Christian, that you needed father and mother to raise children. Yep. So, and that's just the truth. That's statistically the truth um, that uh, single children raised in single parent homes are more likely to drop out of school. They are more likely to have 
low self-esteem. They're more likely to carry a gun. They're more likely to go to jail. They're, the girls are more likely to have babies out of wedlock. They're li- more likely to have multiple sexual partners. They're more likely to contract S- STDs. These are just the t- statistics supporting our claim. So as a black man, God-fearing professional uh, who loves his city, who loves his country, my, my father and all my brothers served in the military. I'm a patriot of this country. Then I have a duty role responsibility to speak truth. And if this were problem were plaguing white people, I'd be standing next to you, Brother Dawson, saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, we'd lead that charge together. Amen. But I'll lead this charge and you stand beside me. And if someone points out a lie, you tell me this is a lie we told and we'll research it and straighten it out. But until then, I have no reason to be silent. The God I serve frightens me. Brother Dawson, if I didn't say what he told me to say, how much worse would things be for Amen. Fear of man versus and fear so, of God. Right. So, brother, we have to stop being afraid to say, listen, listen, okay, you warm me up. I've gotten warmed up now. Mm. Who doesn't want less crime? Yeah. Think about this. If we got 10% less black, fewer black men committing crimes, that would be three or four per year. Compared to a 50% of white men stop committing homicides, that would be 0.1, or one per year. Where, where should our focus be if we're trying to decrease violence in our city? Why should we say, well, white people do it too when it's disproportionately black people committing? Even in cities across the nation, in this state, where there's a minor black population, they still represent a disproportionately high amount of violent crime. Yeah. Why is that? Because disproportionately black kids are born to single parent homes. Yep. Not and racism. Listen, listen, you, all right, you got me warmed up. Get if slavery get were as bad as they say it was, why is it now that is showing the fruits of his labor? Are you meaning, do you mean to tell me white people were so devious that they can plant a seed 170 years ago, but could not stop a black man being elected president? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be that. We can't be that gullible. We yeah. can't keep pointing to slavery. Daddy, my daddy, my father, he'll be uh, 90 this September next month. He never allowed me to make excuses for my failures, for me being lazy I always had the ability. I just didn't have the effort. Mm. So why suddenly now are we allowing making excuses for young black men, impregnating black women, beating black women and killing one another and call it? That's the most insulting things. Those purple haired girls from New York have told (laughs) Southerners that they're smarter than us. And I'm disenfranchised and I don't know I'm a victim, but her and her purple haired girlfriend who goes by them, they, those and us can come to Alabama and tell me that slavery is affecting me and I just don't know it. Yeah. I've done quite well as a college dropout. I've done the brother Dawson, the worst enemy I've ever had in my life is me, my ego and my impatience. Mm. So I, I'm alleviating that now. And I'll say it to anybody. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it to anybody anywhere uh, that, uh, that black people need to take accountability and responsibility for their homes because the strong black family got us through slavery, got us through Jim Crow got us through the civil rights era. It's only when um, feminism told black, uh, told all women they didn't need a man in the house and then welfare backed that up and it alleviate men of their responsibility. So that, I'm saying, let's get back to basics and let's get back to work. That, work. That's where I want to go next is come on the, the structural, and it's a very interesting thing. So we hear about systematic re- racism, institutional racism, structural racism. What I think is funny is in that conversation, it's not really funny at all. There is systemic racism that's going on. I wouldn't really say it's racist, but it's a, it's a system that holds black people back at a disproportionate rate. 
and it, and it is that welfare system. And it's not because necessarily the more black people are on it, but it's it's the incentivizing. Like in order to get on welfare, you can't have a man in the house. If you want Section Eight housing, all those different things, you can't have a man in the house. Which means now Uncle Sam is your daddy. If Uncle Sam's your daddy, well, Uncle Uncle Sam can't spank your sons. Uncle uh, Uncle Sam can't right. The only time Uncle Sam comes in with your sons is after it's too late and he puts them in prison, right? And so, what what do you think we can do? Maybe. Uh, I realize that at the heart of everything is is Christ and family, but sometimes there can be things done legislatively to alleviate or at least fix that roadblock of why is it that that it's and it's not just black women, it's poor women, period. White women, Hispanic women, mm-hmm. black women choose to have Uncle Sam be their kid's daddy because there there's money, there's guaranteed money, and women are drawn mm-hmm. to security. That's why they like strong men. They're drawn to security, and there's nothing more secure than a government paycheck. And so by doing that, they take that security instead of the the the, the maybe riskier security of a man because, you know, speak on that. Well, how about this? Stop helping us so much. Yeah. Right? Um, it hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, I, I guess an estimate was uh, over the last 60 years of the welfare state, uh, $1 trillion have been spent, and the number of people on welfare born out of wedlock and dropping out of school have risen every year. Stop helping so much. It has not worked. Self-accountability and responsibility is what matters. Newly freed slaves in South Carolina formed their own uh, continental Congress, per se, and stated, we don't want your favor or your malice. Just leave us to our own will. That is what newly freed slaves stated. So now, in 2023, we can't continue allowing government to dictate to us what we need from it. All I need from government is the same opportunity that Brother Dawson has to start 1819 News. Yeah. And I could have. I just chose to be a police. Well, God chose me to be a cop, and God led you to where you are. We talked about your story a little bit. Yeah. We were both walking the path that God led us on. Amen. Not the governmental path. Correct. Um, and we refused to, to... My father did not want to integrate because he realized that the identity that he grown and built as a child would be inundated by politicians telling us what would be better for us. Mm. It sounded good. And I don't, I'm not against integration, but the idea that because I could shop at Bel Air mall um, means that somehow I'm equal to, well, I didn't want to be equal to, I just wanted equal opportunity and access. Yeah. And, and that's what the blacks in power do not empower blacks. So the more we thought the vote would give us more black politicians, which, which would make things better. And you realize black politicians are just as corrupt as white politicians. You know, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm. So the, the idea that government can fix any problems, I don't care who started the problem. Let's say that your great, 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 great granddaddy was a slave owner and, and owned my great, 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 great granddaddy. Well, here we are. Here we are talking about the same thing later. So that in and of itself is progress. Instead of constantly telling black folks what we don't have because of racism, why not compare ourselves to the previous generation? When I compare my life uh, to my father's life, I can say his sacrifices were worth it. Yeah. Uh, The government can't solve anything. They can make policies to equal the opportunity for me to solve them. But yeah. don't ever m- confuse self-responsibility and accountability with an ism. Mm. That is one of the worst. I don't know how it became so indoctrinated. Well, I do. They, they'll they give a million dollars to, quote unquote, African-American studies uh, uh, professors to write books about 
critical race theory and mm. um, the healing and hurt that white slaves caused of the, the slave plantation. And we're still, no, ignorance is your, ignorance is the greatest bond that any human being can suffer. And just to constantly see uh, popular people, wealth, wealthy people, highly educated people tell black people that they're victims instead of telling them how they overcame the victimhood. Mm. But listen, listen, if these guys are, uh, PhD professors and have million dollar tenures. Why aren't they explaining to these young black men how they overcame racism? Yeah. Why are they telling them that they can never beat it? It's not your fault. It is your fault if you wear your pants down with your underwear showing. It is your fault if you show up high. It is your fault when you shoot into a, a high school or a, a home or a church or a bowling alley. Those are choices you've made. Yeah. And every time we make an excuse for it, when I speak the truth, I sound crazy because I'm saying something that no one else would say. It yeah. sounds like I've sold out. He's the white man's boy. He's sold out. He's an Uncle Tom. Well, I'll be all those things, but you haven't called me a liar yet. Mm. Man, I want to. And, and that no is, one ever confronts us on the truth, brother. Never. No one ever. Well, they never confront us on the statistics. They, they can't hang. They can't hang right. Like, that's it. That's not that's not where they're going to win. That's not where they're going to attack. They've got to go somewhere else. Let me tell you an experience I had that really opened my eyes because I, for the entirety of my youth, until I got to prison, I, I, how would I say? I, I didn't, I, I really didn't see color. I remember one of my best friends growing up. We lived on a military base in Germany. His name was Jonathan McClary. He was a young black kid. I was white kid. We used to sit and play video games together and his dad would stand at the door. His dad was in the military and he would just watch it. I'm like, why is his dad watching it? It was huge to him that this white kid right. would just come over and not know any difference. Hey, Mr. McClary. Right. Right. Like it just, it, it, it did not register right. to me that there was any issues all the way through middle school, high school, nothing, nothing, nothing. I get to prison and then all of a sudden it does get really racist in prison. Right. And right. it is. And it's something you're always confronted with. One of my best friends in prison, I used to sit at, in the chow hall with him was a black guy. And I get, you know, I got in quote unquote trouble with the white boys over that, but whatever. Um, but I had a friend um, named Adrian. He was a, a black guy that was in the blood gang and he was trying to change his life. And the reason he and I were so close is we would go to college classes together. We were taking all the same self-help classes together. He had my back and I had his. And if someone was talking smack about me on the yard, he'd peel his shirt off and like, let's go get him. Right, which you don't do that in prison, by the way. If you're a black guy and say, "Hey, right. you just don't do that," but he would, and so he would. That was my guy. Well, <clears throat> we would be sitting there doing our college work together, and these other black guys would come up and mess with him and like knock his hat off and stuff, and say, "Man, you ain't never gonna make it. You black. He might make it since you're he's right. white, but you black, right. you ain't never gonna make it." They would tell him that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's hard enough trying to make it out of prison without that. But he's been told that right. his whole life. It didn't start in that day room in that prison. That wasn't the first time someone went and told Adrian, you ain't going to make it. You're black. That wasn't the first time he heard that. He's been hearing it since he was born. And, and, and that's the, the worst part about it is being our own worst enemy. When speaking uh, correctly or using correct or proper grammar, you're talking white. If you like reading uh, white folk, why are you acting white? Yep. If you like classical music, why are you listen to white folks' music? The only thing that's propagated towards black people as as black culture is everything negative. Yep. Ignorance, uh, whoring, violence, loud speaking, anything that disrupts society. And it starts at home. 
uh, growing up in the 80s, I was born in 71 in Mobile in the 1980s into the 90s. We we were our parents came out of segregation, but we never I, we never realized it. We we would have friends and go over and hang out like you were saying. And it it never sunk in that just the generation previously that would have never occurred. But when you are set up with a mindset of failure, someone telling you you'll never make it, you'll never be anything. You're just like me. You're black like me. And that's white folk stuff. How do you think a child, listen, you have a son, I have a son, and we swap them. I teach, I talk to my boy uh, about sports. You talk to yours about science. And we give them back to each other 20 years later. Yeah. Whose child would be better prepared for the world? world? Yeah. Yours, the one you raised, my boy, or yours I raised? Yeah. That's the mindset. That has nothing to do with race, bro. That has nothing to do with ethnicity. It's what you build. Uh, black people from the Caribbeans hate black people in America. They call us lazy because mm. they come here, barely understand the culture, barely understand uh, the norms, and thrive because they work hard and gain an education. Yeah, That's what it comes down to. Work hard, save your money, buy a house, See, leave something for the next generation. But when you have a subculture, because it is not black culture, when you have a subculture celebrating, twopping on television, overweight women like Lizzo throwing off her body in public, when you have uh, pseudo um, heterosexual men grooming their faces and their hair and smoking dope, think about every popular podcast that's hosted by black men on YouTube. How many of them are wearing ball caps? How many of them are drinking alcohol? How many of them are smoking marijuana on air? Adults, men yeah. my age and older. How many ex-athletes are on podcasts uh, calling each other the N-word and, and, and using these nasty vernacular? Uh, the, the people that are responsible for making these impressions first are in the home, dad. But now dad is impersonating the child so badly that it's hard. It is a battle. But men united against violence are doing our part by talking to 1819 News, by talking to youth groups and church groups, by reminding them, you make the choice. It's not set in stone that you'll go to prison or die before you're 21 or sell dope or become homosexual. You make these choices. That's all we're trying to encourage. And I'm fed up with the excuses that somehow uh, I, had, I met you, I think, in March or uh, maybe February this year that somehow you had this special super duper plan that would affect my life and keep me from attaining. No, I don't think we should give black kids excuses anymore. If you fail the class, listen, that's the worst part about it. There's so little accountability that these black kids that are uh, not testing at grade level in every predominantly black high school in Mobile are still allowed to graduate. Brother Dawson, these kids can't read, write, and count. What kind of life are you setting them up for? Yeah, You're setting them up for failure. And when they aren't given the excuses to get the job, to get the pay, then they will lash out because then that is excused as because of white oppression. This is why they're so violent. It's not a riot. It's an uprising. They White folks give black people your homes. Uh, white folks go wash a black person's feet and apologize to them. The U.S. Congress took a knee wearing Kiente cloth and bowed down to black congressmen and said, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Hillary Clinton put on her black voice. I sure ain't no way toward. Oh, patronize to the young black folks and pat them on their, their thick hair and their thick lips and tell them, oh, it's not your fault. 
man, you, I, I'm not going to say that, but I, you know, you can get out of here with that crap. Yeah. You can miss me with it. Yeah. I don't need your favor, your help. Get out of my way. If you're not going to allow me to stand on my own two feet. Amen. I, I'm sorry, brother. I got worked up and it just pisses me off that the sacrifices my father made having to, you know, coming back from Texas in his army uniform during the Korean war and bad enough having to sit in the back of the bus. But then he can't even relieve himself at the bathroom at the truck stop because there, you know, black folks aren't allowed in town after dark. Mm. And he made those sacrifices for me. He integrated Scott paper company here and mobile. And every day they threatened to throw him over the vat and say he tripped and drowned, but he would go to work every day to provide for his family under those circumstances. I refuse to fight that battle again. I'm grateful he did. And I will honor him by working hard and telling black folks we weren't always in this condition. Speaking of not always being in that condition, I've got one I'm going to throw on you and I feel like you're going to knock it out of the park. Something I've, I'm, I'm mildly familiar with. I want to learn more about it. Talk about Tulsa, Oklahoma and black wall street. Is that something you've studied? And looked into? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hit mm-hmm. me with that. Well, um, there was a thriving community in Oklahoma, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and was, they called it the Black Wall Street because the, the dollar in their community circulated, I think, 26 or 27 times before it left the community. And it was rioted and looted by the white citizens and burned down, and many people were killed, but I don't think many people know that it was rebuilt. But yeah, that, that occurred. Yeah. And to me, and, and, and it's going back because the story that's told is from slavery to today, it's always been this way and it's always been this way because of white people. And it's like, no, 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 no. When the government wasn't helping us, we were helping ourselves and we thrived. And the, actually the most intact families were the black families at one time. Um, that that's, even, uh, even during slavery. Yeah. Black, black kids were more likely to, even though they weren't allowed to marry, there were there were black kids were more likely to be in the home with their black mother and father who weren't married. That's historically in, in here in Mobile it's MLK Avenue now, but before that it was Davis Avenue, and before that it was Stone Street um, and Tomanville. That's you had a black florist, a black mechanic, a black seamstress, a black fish market, a black gas station. The black dollar remained there during segregation, during Jim Crow. It, yeah. it has not always been this way. Let me ask you this. Sure. So we're going to blame white people for our, our demise and our problems. Black Wall Street was burned down by white people. Great. Who's going to rebuild it then? If we're say, why are we begging the same people that we say burned down and messed up our communities? Why would we then ask them to rebuild it? Yeah. No, just stop it. Just stop it. It's a lie. Black Wall Street was rioted, and there have been several others. Uh, the Bossier Pair coon hunts in Louisiana. Uh, it just goes on and on throughout history. But those communities did not die and stop. Yeah, They built themselves up again. Mm. Um, the lynchings in America are real. But I tell you, if the Klan had been as efficient killing black people as black people are killing black people, there wouldn't be any black people left. The number one cause of death for black men is murder, homicides, and 90% of those are committed by other black men. Wow. Nationally, that's the number one cause of death. And the excuse that these black misleadership class use, misleadership class uses is it's okay when we kill one another, but not when a cop does it, not when a white person does it. So they sit around waiting for a white cop or a white person to kill a black person. And then they come out. Black lives matter so much then they should be mad about LaQuinta Morissette and Sarah Jackson being killed. If black lives matter so much, you should be mad that these kids are graduating high school and can't read, write, and count. If black lives matter so much, what about the 400,000 babies aborted every year? If black lives matter so much, where are you? 
Wow. Where are you when these black kids are going hungry? Where are you when these black men are abusing black kids and elderly people? Get out of here, man. We've been made, we've been mocked and ridiculed and taken advantage of all by a political party. And I don't get into it, but I think we know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, we've been taken advantage of, we've been mocked and ridiculed. And now we've been so conditioned, we mock and ridicule ourselves. The Essence Festival had black women on stage dancing with their butt cheeks hanging out. The BET Wars had black women whore themselves around and black men dressed like quasi homosexuals. And we're told that this is black culture and you can't wear an afro uh, brian dawson can't wear an afro because it's, it's black misappropriation well what is a black woman wearing a blonde wig yeah get out of here man i'm fed up i've had enough of it and you know and people say well most of his audience is white and they agree with you well it's the truth yeah stop stop putting a color on truth oh and i'm you know what i'm saying stop stop yeah. stop constantly saying i'll say and brother dawson i'll say this to anyone yeah, I know it. Anyone. <laughs> if you're willing to say it where I've seen you saying it, um, then 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 absolutely. Um well um <laughs> Hillary Clinton, I sure ain't get tired. <laughs> that kind of pandering to black folks. Talk black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind being a bartender. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> embarrassing. Get out of here. <laughs> stop stop mocking me. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm a, I am Southern and I have a, a Southern dialect and I don't enunciate everything correctly, but you've never heard me speak that like that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's embarrassing and it's hard to watch. I mean, exactly what you were talking about with the, the pandering of, um, Nancy Pelosi kneeling, you know, in the halls of Congress oh. with the Kente cloth and all that stuff. And it's just <laughs> like, it's, it, and it's like, I actually, it's hard for me to watch. It would be way harder to be black and watch that. I feel like I am telling you. That it, it, it um, and watching a UFC fight three, three or four weeks ago, Israel and Desanya comes in the room and to the ring and speaks to uh, his next opponent, Duplessis, who's a South, a real South African living in South Africa. And Adesanya must have used the N word 20 times speaking to this man. That's how ridiculous. And he's not even from America, he's from Australia, who says his parents are Nigerian. He's all over the place with it because wow. that's what happens when families don't tell their children who they are. Yeah, and, and so I, the pandering uh, for votes and this idea that uh, that one political candidate really does love black people. If well, God is in, if we are to worship God in spirit and in truth, then we should all. My love is to tell you the truth. I'll tell you if your breath stinks. Yeah, I don't love you if I won't, and I'll tell you if your kids can't read, write, and count. I don't love you if I don't. If I pretend it's not their fault. Yeah. Well, here's the million dollars. And everything I say comes from a place of love. I say it out of love. No, and and I know, and it's a fatherly love, and you can see it in a healthy household. When dad's giving you love, it looks a little bit different than mom does, right? When I and come that's in, why you need and, that balance. Yeah, right. I come in incorrect. It looks a little bit different than when mom does, right? Right. And sometimes mom has to say, "Okay, you're being a little too harsh," and sometimes I got to tell mom, "Hey, you 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 need you need to get a little bit more harsh," right? And so. Hey, what about the, when mom gets you in trouble and then comes in and saves you? Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, if you cared that much, you wouldn't have said anything yeah. to him. You know, that's good. You know? <laughs> Your dad loves you. He just wants what's best for you. Well, I'm sure he does, but I'm not sure about you, mom. You didn't have to tell him I came home late, you know, but, <laughs> but when you grow up with both parents, you know, that you understand that. And when you're raising your children with your spouse, you understand these stories. Correct. Um, we should not have three and four generations of unwed children born in the projects or living on government assistance with 13 year old girls pregnant and giving them baby showers. We should not ask 15 year old boys, are they gay because they don't have children out of wedlock? We have to change all that.
That and, and so that's a million dollar question we'll end with. How how do we change it? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of resources that would love to figure out how to do it. And I don't think it's something you can throw money at, but that doesn't mean that finances can't help something that is doing it. But it again, it's like you said, stop helping us. Ronald Reagan's famous quote, mm-hmm. the five scariest words or whatever it was, is like or I I'm I'm here from the government or I'm here with the government here and I'm here you. to help, right? Like that's right. scariest thing you can hear. But I mean, what, how, how, how does black America, black communities fix the fatherlessness out of wedlock childbirth? How, how does that get fixed? Let's at first admit it. It is a problem. Let's admit that that problem leads to other problems and then embarrass people. Let's put the shame back into having children outside of marriage. Mm. Let's not normalize it. Let's not give it the term baby mama. No, you're having illegitimate children. Yeah. Sounds a lot better, doesn't it? It sounds yeah. a lot worse to illegitimate children uh, when you say that. So let's put the shame back into it yeah. and let's just say it. Let's say stop having children out of wedlock. Okay, I'm sorry uh, for the conditions you were born under, but you don't have to repeat it. It comes yeah. down to self-responsibility and accountability. And it takes more men like me and my best friend, John Ford, who's the co-founder of Men United Against Violence, of saying it. Uh, the influence that our fathers had on us is, is why we are here. We put a billboard up in uh, Mobile, uh, Azalea Road, and Michael Boulevard that says, bury the N-word. You're better than that. Yep. So to solve these problems, we have to just directly confront them and, and say, children born outside of wedlock leads to all these other problems. It begins in the home. And that's where the beginning, and you, like you said, you can't throw money at that. You can't legislate a law to that. That is a self-responsibility issue, and only self-responsibility will solve it. Yep. Culture, it's a cultural issue, right? And we're trying to approach mm-hmm. it with every other thing. And, and culture is something that happens organically inside of communities based off of what they will and won't tolerate. And and it's actually right. culture that drives policy. People think that policy can drive culture, but it doesn't. Um, there, there's certain times and places where policies that reflect the will of God are good for a nation, sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's a cultural thing. And there's there's certain societies where things are accepted and, and, and aren't. And that's one of the big things, and, and, and we'll wrap up, but one of the big things that you see is that this weird cultural shift that's happened is like, hey, you shouldn't shame her for, you know, having her third abortion. You shouldn't, it's not her fault or it's, you shouldn't shame. And it's like, I, I actually think that there are points and places where you, you don't need to like throw tomatoes at them or something, you know, that kind of shame. But it just needs to be understood that, hey, this behavior is not acceptable within this community and, and, and this group of people or whatever. That's cultural language. You can't even talk like that anymore. But the truth of the matter is, is, is it's real. And there's a reason things happen in some communities more and less in others is because of what's tolerated. Um, so I think that's well, a very that's interesting That's what it insight. always comes down to. Yep. Right. And this, and this was not always the case. So we know it isn't culture. It is a subculture. We know this has not always been the case. Yep. Awesome. Well, John Young, Men United Against Violence down in Mobile. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Have me back anytime, Brother Dawson. And, and I keep will. doing your work up there. Yes, sir. Your heel needs to be exposed. Keep it up. All right. And we're going to be doing a behind-the-scenes podcast. For those of you guys who have signed up to become members, we're going to be talking about uh, what – and, and it's something that, that John has talked about on other podcasts, uh, is that there seems to be a need for an organization – uh, to be doing the work uh, rather than the individual man taking the responsibility rather than needing another Martin Luther King working behind what Martin Luther King has already done. We've, he, he plowed the ground. Now we go behind him 
and take up the mantle by taking responsibility. And then I also want to talk about burying the N-word. We're going to talk about that when we come back. If you're not a member and you want to hear that, go to the website, 1819news.com. Click become a member, $5 a month or more if you got it. Uh, Please do that so you don't miss out on this incredible content. All right, guys, as always, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. (laughs) 